Welcome to From a Woman to a Leader, a podcast dedicated to discussing the challenges and providing tips for women in tech leadership. Hi, I'm your host, Limor Bergman-Gross, and in each episode, we'll hear from other successful women in tech, sharing their stories, insights, and advice. Join us as we empower each other to reach our full potential in the tech industry. everyone and welcome to another episode of from a woman to a leader and today I have a great pleasure having Cindy Don VP of engineering at Natalie lab and we'll talk about the four dimensions of balance engineering leader so first let me welcome my guest Cindy hi how are you hey Lemor thank you for inviting me to be in your podcast it's such a pleasure. And yeah, it's going well. It's getting a yeah. little cold in Chicago, but it's a beautiful day today. Yeah, yeah. Here, I wish it was colder, but it's okay. It's uh, <laughs> getting better. At least it's not hot as it used to be. And Cindy, before we start diving in, I would love it if you can just share with the, our audience who you are and what you do. Yeah, I would love to. So I am... I've been an engineering leader for about eight plus years now, and my whole career have been in software. I started as software engineer in a trading industry for eight years, and then I realized that, you know, I want to do something meaningful with my nine to five where I can work on a product that creates a change in some industries that really need to utilize technology. And that's basically where I started my journey in different startup companies, such as Relativity, like a legal software company, and then Jellyvision, an HR-based software that helps employees like find the benefits that really fits their needs. Um, Root, an auto insurance company that ha- that utilizes AI, and that's where I find my passion in AI because I do believe that it is the foundation of our future. And I want to make sure that we have a diverse perspective in forming what that future looks like. And until now, I landed as VP of engineering, the head of engineering in Nautilus Labs, a climate solution software in the maritime industry whose mission is to decarbonize the ocean. Wow. This is incredible. Very impressive journey. And uh, let's dive right in. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, I want to start discussing actually your experience as a senior engineer, starting a job while you were two months pregnant. Can you share your experience working, you know, working with young single men as a pregnant woman? You know, I think that that will be very interesting story to tell to our audience. Yes, Lemore, that was definitely not an easy time in my career. It was right after I exited the training industry. I was, you know, young and very passionate and doing something different. I joined this company and I wanted to um, really dive right in and be a senior software engineer in in the team. Um, I realized that I was pregnant when I accepted the job. Was It was an interesting onboarding experience as well because we actually have to prepare for a test 
and we don't know what team we will be in because you know some people may not even make it through the test and so i wasn't i didn't have a manager to guide me through all the different kind of like options and so by the time i finished the test and i find a team i was already maybe around like five months pregnant i asked my manager and it turns out that um, I wasn't able to get like a full three months maternity leave, which was very disappointing at that time. Um, and the whole experience of being pregnant, visibly pregnant, my first one, my first child, and it was a very young startup with a lot of young, men, you know, single men who don't really know how to talk to me, <laughs> right? They're like, oh yeah okay you know it's just sort of like okay you have a bump <laughs> um, and it felt very awkward I remember my manager at that time also liked to throw parties and a lot of alcohol and you know as a pregnant woman I cannot drink and it was just like feeling very out of place environment where you know everybody is just free to party and socialize and there I am like this this kind of like weird, you know, woman alone who's like pregnant. I also realized one thing that the policy of maternity leave not being allowed for folks who haven't been working for one year or so is, is something that had, if I were a leader at that time, I would totally advocate for, you know what, we hired very bright young mind. We're not going to punish them for, you know, like having a child while they're not, they haven't been in the company for a while. I think that is one kind of like moment where I realized we do truly need a diverse perspective in the leadership. This is so true. Absolutely. When you have leaders who don't understand that, who don't, you know, experience that firsthand, it's very hard for, for them to even acknowledge it is a problem. And this is exactly why we need to have, as you mentioned, diverse leadership. We need to have women, we need to have people of color, we need to have people from different backgrounds in leadership so they can create more inclusive companies. Yes, absolutely. Just having an empathy rather than looking at the bottom line is very important and it creates there is a reason why diversity is important, right? In a team of all single young male, decisions are just going to be made in a very laser focused perspective. And bringing in someone who already have a family and everything, I mean, it's, it's, but then if you want to encourage such diversity, it is important to match that with the company policy that supports us as well. Yeah, absolutely. And other than that and the policy, what else did you take away from that experience? Especially I want to touch about the, the, the fact that you felt like the outlier, you felt different from everyone else and they were doing activities that really didn't resonate with you and were not appropriate to the stage you were at at the time. Yes. And I think that is one of the things that would weed out a lot of women of color or of folks who feel like they don't belong, right? There's this sense of belonging. And as human being, we all crave belonging. We we spend eight hours at least in working in an office or sometimes remotely, but interacting with folks. And when we don't feel like we belong in the team, let, let alone the company, 
it's very easy for folks to feel like this is not for me. And that is definitely um, unfortunate. That's so, yeah, is I think so it is true. important for having managers who understand and, and check in, right? And, and, you know, you don't, you don't look like you're comfortable. Like, is there something that we can do to support you better? I think just having empathy, which often is underappreciated, is such an important quality in managers. Absolutely. And women are very empathetic leaders. Yes. And it is very important to note that we need more women in leadership positions so we can have more empathetic leadership. I'm not saying that men are not, but women are very, very empathetic. And just seeing everyone and thinking. The problem is that leaders don't think about how does that pregnant woman feels when everyone goes out to drink and she cannot participate. Correct. Yeah, for sure, Limor. That's a really good point. The one thing that I would say is to your point, uh, a manager of mine after, so so a little bit of a continuation of that story. Uh, when my child is born, I was, I only had one and a half months break and then I had to go back to work. It was very heartbreaking to leave a small infant and having to go back to work where at that time the team is again very single male centric right a lot of alcohol and everything and all I can think about of is I miss my child so I talked to my manager at that time I said I want to quit right it could have been the end of my career honestly and you know what he did he said I will try to get you a part-time role so that you can continue working here and be with your child, which is such an amazing gesture and, and having like kind of like advocating for that to like the upper leadership and being able to give me that opportunity, which allows me to then, uh, after one year, I came back to the company and that's how I started my journey as a manager. I applied to a manager position and here I am right now. So yeah. it's, it's that small moment of just... You know what? I understand that you need this. You don't need to leave completely. You can be part-time. Just think outside of the box and understand the team members' needs. Is It could really make a difference in someone's lives. Wow, this is so true. And uh, just you saying that if that manager was not supporting you, maybe that was the end of your career is really, you know, important for us to note because we don't want women like you to just give up on their careers when they face those challenges and no one is there to support them. And you mentioned like missing your baby, obviously, you know, this is hard to be honest. It's hard, you know, also when they are six months old, but on top of that, when you return to work with such a small baby, you're always very tired. You're exhausted because you don't sleep very well at night. So even physically, yeah, very hard. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we are human and our family, our, especially our babies, our, our kids will always come first. And that sometimes is the like the conundrum with us women, especially as we embark on to like, like making a building our family. Yeah. And uh, I want just to call out to our listeners here that have positions of power, we need you to really give support. 
because we want those women to stay. We don't want them to leave. Absolutely. And let's kind of progress. You mentioned engineering managers. So let's progress to 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 your, uh, you know, progression to an engineering manager position. Yeah. How was your experience becoming a manager for the first time managing a team? Yeah, Limor, it was actually very interesting. I was promoted to an engineering management position uh, because I was a strong IC. And usually that means strong technically. I understand the, the, the code base very well. I was able to deliver strong results and therefore they would they trust me and, and kind of like taking on the engineering management. But the one thing that I quickly realized is using that same muscle that allows me to excel as an individual contributor it's not going to work as an engineering manager, right? So um, as many, many people, I started my career as an engineering manager being very tech focused. So I was just looking at, okay, we got to have like really good technical strategy, which is important. Um, and I'm going to pair with, with my folks and I'm going to be in like every meeting so that I can come up with like the best solution because, you know, like that is how I see myself, my identity is someone who always come up with like the best solution. And quickly I realized that my teams are not, don't feel very empowered and I get burned out because there are a lot of technical decisions to be made. I went from being an individual contributor who only have to focus on one task to managing a team of five or six. And there are multiple technical decisions that have to be made and I cannot be everywhere all at once. So either I force my team to only focus on one thing <laughs> or I, I give them the tools and trust them and identify who I can delegate things to. And that's kind of like how I realized that as an engineering manager, there are several dimensions that I need to grow and learn to be better for my team, to show up for them and to actually give them the right guidance so that they can make the best decision that they can. Yes, absolutely. And we'll dive into those dimensions in a minute. Just want to share here that, yes, what you face is very common, right? Uh, when you transition from an IC to a manager, you try to operate like an, you try to be a problem solver. You try to be the best technical person you can. But actually, that's not your role anymore. Your role is to empower others to be the best at what they do and solve problems, and you're there to support them. And it's a struggle that is faced by many, many others, like yourself and like myself. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that I've talked to a lot of engineering managers in like the early career and mid-career, and perhaps you can also relate to this, Lamor, but... After realizing that, oh, being a tech focused, just solely tech focused doesn't work, I'm going to swing to the other side and be very people focused. I'm, I'm going to create a team where everybody is happy. <laughs> and that doesn't work either because really what is missing there is the why, right? Like, why are we doing this? And how do we make sure that we are prioritizing the, like, the right things? Because otherwise, being only tech focused and people focused would probably mean that, and this is a mistake that I did in the early in my career, I will trust my team to choose what they want to do, right? Like, so like my engineer 
Engineer A would say, we got to fix this code base. All right, you go do that. Engineer B would say, we got to fix the other code base and this way. All right, you do that. And so like I have a team of five people making five different changes, but not being able to say why all these changes are important. Absolutely. And uh, I was guilty as charged in that too, Cindy. I mean, uh, trying to please is one of the common uh, mistakes that uh, new managers do. And especially, I think, women leaders we want to be liked, we want to be appreciated, and we try to be a people pleaser. We try to make everyone happy, but eventually that's not going to be great leadership, right? And we cannot have everyone happy, loving, you know, at the same time. It doesn't work that way, right? The reality yeah. proves us usually differently. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like connected to earlier what we say with empathy being one of like the the strengths of that's common in a lot of women leaders that empathy sometimes could could be overused where we want to please them because we empathize with them and we we understand their perspective and so we're like you know what yeah why don't you try that and and not have enough pushback or accountability that pairs with it yeah absolutely and let's dive in Tell us what are the four dimensions for a balanced engineering manager? Yeah. So one thing that I have found is when looking at engineering management, I tend to make sure that I see it from four different lenses. We talked about two, the technology for sure. I mean, that is why we are engineering leaders and we never, never should lose that edge. It is easy to lose that edge, especially as you get higher up in the in the ladder uh, we get further away from the technical and we have to really try um be intentional and making sure that we stay sharp and we stay up to date with like the latest in the technology and also to understand how the code base is being developed and the architecture but technology is important people is important and when i say people here i'm not talking about the goal of retaining everybody that you have but really understanding individual strengths, weaknesses, their career goals, as well as how the team is gelling. And I think that is the one thing that as, as I grow uh, in my career journey, one thing that I realize is it's like a system design mm -hmm. where each individual is, they interact with each other. And there is like, if you have the right system design, the right architecture, five people will make a really strong team. But if we have like, if we're not designing it correctly, for example, if you have like some isolated knowledge or if you have some individual that doesn't play well with the others, then your system is actually weaker with like that individual. So really understanding how the architecture of your team looks like. For me, that's what like being people, the people lens looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, the third one is process, obviously, and and I think this is this could be like the the fun problems for a lot of engineering managers, right? We see issues, and we're like, okay, I'm gonna. This is like the solutioning, the next level of solutioning for engineering management is how can I automate this this problem solution using a process, and that is important. But process also relates to how do we deliver right? Like at the end of the day, our function as an engineering leader is product development and product delivery. So how can we set our process in a way that we can 
deliver the right product to the right customers and get the feedback as fast as we can. So that's process. And we can definitely talk about that. This is related to a lot of the metrics that is well-known, such as the DORA metrics or the, the things that are set out in like the Accelerate book, as well as velocity and all that, all that falls into process. The last one I think is more and more important as we grow in the ladder is the product sense. And product sense is understanding, right, at a very low level, what are what is the requirement? What are we delivering? And then at a higher level, what is what does the business needs, right? Like if we have an OKR, if we have like an objective and key results, why? Like why are we setting our OKR that way for this quarter? Where's the business evolving at this point? And what do we need to unlock the next level? Perfect. So let me recap the four and let's dive into each one of them. Okay? Absolutely. So the first one, technology. The second one is people. The third one is process. And the fourth is product. So let's dive in into technology. You mentioned the need to stay up to date, which I very much agree with. How do you do that when you are higher up at a VP role, maybe even a CTO? How do you keep up? Yeah, not easy, right? <laughs> because uh, <laughs> there are so many, when you are a VP or a CTO, like head of, of, of the engineering department, it's very easy to get sucked into fires, eight hours of just firefighting, right? And so uh, obviously delegation is the key, but making space to to be heads down, which is still very important, right? It's very, very easy to like get like eight hours full of meetings, but scheduling a time for me is very important to like be heads down and spending, getting a flow going for either diving deep into the architecture of the system, because it is really important for the VP of, or CTO or any engineering manager, engineering leader to understand their code. And therefore be able to have like an intelligent conversation with the engineers, with the decisions that they're making. But also I think that's how you get the respect, right? Like I engineers are not going to really truly respect the leaders who don't understand how things are developed. But the second part of it is also understanding the trends because it is important as a leader to, to be forward thinking to be innovative and bring in some ideas that could take the technology to the next level. And so for me, it's uh, listening to podcasts, like some, some, some technology podcasts or reading some blogs and even some LinkedIn, right? Like following some folks in LinkedIn that, that really has some new ideas. So I am an AI, so I follow several kind of like creators in AI and, 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 and just trying to understand what is your interest and where do you want to keep being innovative? Absolutely. And uh, I also found that industry conferences are also a great way to see what's going on, to meet different people, to connect, right? To what's going on in the industry and to uh, stay up to date. I love that. Yeah, I agree. And just having that network and the community, being part of the tech community. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I always, uh, I always felt that a lot of times I needed to ask for help from people, from different technical people 
to share with me what's going on, to maybe explain to me. And that's not a weakness. I just want to emphasize that. You don't have to do it all by yourself, especially when you get into executive roles. You cannot know everything. And especially when I uh, I felt like I needed to dive into a specific area, because obviously you don't know everything very deep. You know, kind of you have an overall view. I wasn't afraid of stepping into someone and say, hey, I want you to walk me through something. Explain to me your decision process. Explain to me why things are working. That's okay. You're not supposed to know everything. Yes, I love that. That's a really good point. I actually think, you know, like I have one-on-ones, skip one, skip level one-on-ones with, with engineers to, to make sure that I have that touch point and that they can talk to me and everything. But a lot of times you can use that time to like pair together, just like really ask them what they're doing and ask them to show, you know, that's actually for engineers. And I remember this being an engineer, when I was an engineer, I love it when my manager asked me like, hey, can you show me how that works? It gives me a sense of pride and just connectedness, right? Because we can geek out together. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that kind of leads us to the next uh, dimension perfectly to people. Yes. How do you architect it all, right? Create a cohesive team or organization that operates better than just a set of individuals. Yeah, yeah. That's a very complex problem. (laughs) And I I would say from the engineering manager level, right? Like starting from like a team of five or six or however big the team is, taking the time and being mindful. You know, we have performance reviews sometimes like yearly, sometimes biannually or semi-annually, but making sure that we, that is not the only time that we talk about career growth or giving feedback or understanding what they're interested in. But rather, you know, what I do is I try to specifically schedule a time to talk about that because otherwise I would forget, right? Like things happen and you just forget. So like every month I would schedule a time. Let's talk about your career. How is it going this month? What's your career career plan look like? Let's even look at the career ladder and let's go through it together and make sure that we are on the same page with what your accomplishment has shown that you are meeting like some of these expectations and what are the things that we need to focus on together so that I, as a manager, can delegate the right things. Absolutely. And I also love that you mentioned earlier that you do skip level meetings. I feel that uh, this is really important for any leader to be connected with everyone. You're not just, you know, staying at at your kind of ivory tower and looking at everyone from above. It doesn't work that way, especially nowadays with Gen Z. You have to really be connected to the people and understand what's going on, what's working for them, what's not working for them. And get your feet in the ground and uh, and get a feel for what's going on. Yes, that's that's exactly. And you know, as a VP, I I coach engineering managers now, right? Like that's where I have my conversation is in terms of like career paths, strengths and weaknesses. I would work on that with my engineering managers. And a lot of times, talking straight to the engineers allow me to give them better feedback and give them a better understanding of like this is the area in the team that I see that maybe is a blind spot. 
And as, as, a, as a coach, I want to be able to also do my due diligence in order to help them better. Absolutely. Loved it. Loved it. And just one last note about people. I personally, you mentioned performance reviews. Personally, I think that this is like an outdated idea, the annual performance reviews that need to go away from this world. Oh. So like continuous feedback and continuous conversations, like you mentioned, career conversations that are ongoing. That's the way to go. And that's the way to lead. Because what's the point in meeting once a year and reflecting back on a full year? Who remembers what happened last year? Yes. And, and like giving Great. feedback on something that happens a year ago, it's not relevant anymore. I totally agree. And it's easy to, it's not productive to talk about, you know what, like six months ago, you did this. I think you should have done it differently. It's like, we will remember different facts. <laughs> yeah. Right. I totally agree. And it's difficult to like, remember to give real time feedback, especially when it's critical feedback, right? It will be like, okay, you know what, like, let's just let it go. But then we will have to address it at the annual performance review. And I think it is for the best interest of us as engineering leaders to have that continuous career conversation, because otherwise, we're going to have a difficult time <laughs> at the end of the year because all our performance review conversations going to be full of surprises and it's going to be a t all tough conversation and i think the minimum minimum amount of surprises would be best absolutely absolutely and let's dive into process tell me more about it how can how can leaders utilize process yeah lemore so process is one of those where I think I always start with data. When we want to think about process and how to optimize, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in, in saying that I'm an optimizer. I think a lot of us love engineering. We end up in engineering and especially in engineering management because we also love to optimize things. However, we have to be mindful of what to, to optimize because it's anything can be optimized, but what is the one thing that the business needs to be optimized? And so we always have to start with data and understanding the baseline, right? So this is again, like uh, the DevOps metrics, like the Dora metric. And so those are like the, the cycle time, right? Like the, some of the quality metrics, such as like the mean time to recovery, when we have like incidents, how quickly can we actually recover from that? but also qualitative metrics. And I say qualitative metrics in terms of like how the team performs, right? Like it's still measurable. So things like velocity, sprint completion percentage, which is one of my favorite because actually I think that ties into the morale of the team. If the team has habit of committing too much and then they don't finish it, they keep like you know, pulling it back to like the next sprint or the next cycle, whatever the cycle is, the team's not going to feel good, right? Like we want to create a momentum. And so sprint completion metric is actually one of uh, one of my favorite. I would say even like, how do we think about dates, right? Like when we think about like software delivery, everybody hates dates. Everybody hates having like a delivery date, like a deadline. But when you have a customer, you got to be able to say like, hey, expect to see this feature by this time. We can absolutely have a buffer, but how predictable is our delivery, right? Like 
how can we say with great confidence that yes, we can we can announce this to our customers by a certain date and we know that we're going to get it done. So Absolutely. those are the different kind of like things that we can think about when we think about the process. So starting yeah. from the data and then figuring out, all right, if I want to improve velocity, what do I need to improve, right? Like, and sometimes this can come up with, with retrospectives uh, where the team start thinking about like, how can they together improve the way they operate? But also the team will not realize that they need to improve if they don't see the data. Absolutely. They need to see the data. And, you know, to be honest, I mean, I believe in transparency. And I think that uh, when the company operates in a level that is transparent and everyone is able to look at data and uh, no one is blaming, there is no blaming culture. We're all yeah. in this together. We're trying to learn and improve as a company, as a team, you know, it goes, it has to trickle from above. That's where companies can operate at their best. Yes. Blameless culture definitely is important to your point. If we are being vulnerable and showing the data that is not as great, right? To say like, hey, our velocity is not amazing. We know that. We have measured it. And this is our plan to improve it. And you don't get murdered for it saying like, oh, like that's terrible. How come your velocity is not good? Um, and rather having like a supportive culture is like, that's amazing that you have a plan to improve. How can we help? That is that is how we can build like a really continuous improvement culture. Yeah, for sure. Because one of the things I've seen is that uh, some companies have toxic environments where people are kind of trying to blame each other. Because a lot of times, right, we don't work on an island. We're dependent on, on different parties and uh, and when things doesn't work as we plan, we and people start blaming each other, having the data will not help. That's, yeah, that's true. Though I do feel like sometimes data kind of cut through the politics. If, you know, if everybody agrees, right? And if everybody feels that, all right, let, let's look at the data rather than making it look the way it is, right? Like having a yeah. pretty chart and like... Uh, kind of smoke and mirrors but if we really cut to the chase and like well let's look at the truth uh, i find that sometimes that could be the antidote for toxic politics yes because you cannot argue with data you can argue yeah. with feeling with emotions with opinions but with data it's very difficult to argue yes agree perfect so let's dive into the fourth dimension into product yeah product is the one thing that uh I would say elevates engineering leaders to the next level. The better we are as an engineering leader to understand our product, especially our business and how it ties into the success of the company, the easier it is for us to be given like more opportunities, to be in charge of more things. Because honestly, a leader who really understands what needs to be done and how to deliver that it's a leader that everybody wants, right? Like every company needs. And so it starts from the engineering, from like the team level engineering management uh, by understanding, first of all, what is the product that I'm in charge of and where does that fit in in the company as a whole, right? Like how can my product help make us as an organization successful? And what can I do in this ecosystem to help other products successful if, if there is like an interdependency, which often there is, right? 
And so that partnership with the product owner is very important. Um, it's very tempting for us as engineering leaders. I see this many, many times. There's always this push and pull between engineering managers and product managers. And the last thing we want is for that to be like, oh, it's his fault. Oh, it's her fault, right? Like kind of like finger pointing scenario. Yeah. We need to have strong collaboration and partnership because honestly, an engineering team is not going to be successful if the product is not successful. And a product manager is not going to be successful in the, if the engineering team is not delivering. So that everybody's success hinges on the product being well-received in the market. Absolutely. Yes. And I think that, uh, you know, what you mentioned, being a business acumen oriented towards the business is what eventually sets you as an as a leader, you know. Uh, and not just someone who executes. And one thing that I wanted to highlight is that I have, you know, clients and and obviously not not every engineering team is working on a customer facing product. Sometimes there are teams that work internally, right, on infrastructure or things that are internal, but still it is a product. It's just an internal yes. product. Yes, and it's even more important. I would argue that business acumen is even more important for those roles. Because a lot of times there is no product manager, right? Like a lot of times SRE manager doesn't have a product owner, but they need to determine how to prioritize what the roadmap looks like. And one thing that I would suggest for internal facing teams leaders is to think about who your customers are and make sure that we are treating them as such, treating internal teams as customers. So. I would suggest have like monthly roadmap uh, kind of like walkthrough or monthly just like walk through the metrics and get feedback, right? So the same way that if we have a product, we want to engage with the customers to make sure that they're still happy, they're still satisfied, and they still pay us for our services. That is how I think an internal facing team leader should think of of treating the other internal teams. Absolutely. Very much agree with you. And cannot believe how time flies. Before we end our conversation, I wanted to ask you, what advice would you give to women that aspire to become great engineering leaders like yourself? What they need to do in order to get there, especially women of color? Yeah, I would say... Find allies, find mentors, right? This is this is the one thing that really, for example, when I almost quit my job, that allyship with the manager and internally, because like folks know me. So when he advocated for me, like it was it was not met with like, well, we don't know who this person is, like let's not make exception for this person. So the more friends and allies and supporters you can find, the better. And this doesn't mean that, you know, I am, I'm an introvert, right? Like I don't naturally like, hey, let's party, you know, like not naturally a social person, but just be authentic and really have an interest other the others do and understand what they can bring into the table. I think a lot of times folks love if, if they're asked for advice or just like a quick coffee and everything. And honestly, make use of it. Don't be shy, especially in the beginning of the career. 
because building that foundation of having folks that support you is really, really important, especially as a woman of color. Absolutely. And where can our listeners find you? You can find me in LinkedIn and, you know, I'm in Chicago, so I try to go to like the different meetups in AIs and I'm passionate about climate. So I try to follow a lot of climate talks as well in Chicago. But yeah, really, really lovely to to be here, Limor. And it's always nice to, to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Cindy. It was so insightful. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of From a Woman to a Leader. This is your host, Limor Bergman-Gross, and I want to encourage you to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Limor Bergman, and let me know. What do you think about the episodes? Feel free also to comment on Apple Podcasts and tell me what do you want me to talk about? Which guests do you want me to bring? I really appreciate that and have a wonderful day.